the vision that he shared. It was on the, the first Sunday in May, which was Vision Sunday, and Pastor Gary shared on the new vision for Infused Church. There are four aspects to that vision. There's encountering, embracing, equipping, and encouraging. So this morning I'll be sharing on encountering. Then I'll pass over to Gina, and Gina's going to share on embracing. And she'll pass over to Steve Richardson, who will um, talk on equipping. And then my lovely wife, Teresa, will uh, come up the rear, and she will encourage everybody with her, her talk on encouraging. Now, this comes from our four-cup series. Uh, which we've been working through in the church, Pastor Gary's probably about four or five or six weeks actually speaking on the four cups books that we've been working through. And I know that if you do and attend a connect group, that in your connect group you too would have been working through the, uh, the four cup series in your books. And I have got a lot out of it personally. There's a lot of revelation that I've got out of it, a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And I am so glad that we've done it and did it. It certainly opened my eyes. So our old purpose statement, is, well, it was, to connect people with God, to encourage and equip them to fulfil their God-given purpose in life. A new purpose statement, which is taken from our Four Cup series, is to encounter God by becoming passionate followers of Jesus, equipped to help others encounter him. And Pastor Gary shared on that, and he said, there is another way of saying this statement. And the way of saying this statement is encounter, follows encounter, follows encounter, follows encounter, follows encounter. So it's perpetual. We can't encounter enough of God. God is too big for us to actually encounter all we can in our lifetime. He's just too big. Maybe in eternity we might actually encounter all that God is, but here on earth, in this earth suit, in this flesh, we can't encounter everything God is. So we're on a journey of encountering who God is. Um, So this is the outward working of these four levels. So encountering is to provide everyone with an opportunity to personally encounter the heart of God, who he is, and the purpose for your life. So embracing is embracing God and the people in committed relationships and service together. Equipping, going on a journey to discover and fulfil God's purpose for our lives. Encouraging everyone to grow in faith, sharing the good news of the gospel wherever they are, what comes to mind when you hear the word encounter? Is it good things when you hear encounter? I like to go to Steve and Jenna's place because I know I'm going to encounter an awesome meal. I go there, I know that something awesome is going to be served up to me um, at Steve and Jenna's place. But when I was a kid, if I was in trouble, I knew that I was going to encounter something uh, Pretty, uh, pretty harsh to my backside. So I knew that there were good aspects and I know that there are sort of not so good aspects to encounter. The, dictionary, um, the dictionary's meaning of the word encounter is an unexpected or casual meeting with someone or something. There are many examples throughout the Bible where people have encountered or encounters with God. We know in the Old Testament that God revealed himself to a lot, of, a lot of people throughout the Old Testament. A lot of them come to mind was Noah. Noah had an encounter with God. God told him to build an ark because he's going to flood the world. So Noah set aside, he started building an ark. Nobody believed him. I thought he was a fool. I think he lost his mind. But he heard from God and he carried on what he heard from God. And God spoke to Abram, who later became Abraham, and gave him a promise. And God said, 
to Abram, he says, uh, go away from your country, from your relatives and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And that takes a lot of faith, but he heard from God. He was adamant. He heard from God. So he left his home, left his family, and God took him to a place, made him a father of a mighty nation. Um, to Isaac, he appeared to Isaac in Genesis twenty six twenty four, and he said, the land, the Lord appeared to him in the, in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. For I am with you, and I will bless you, and multiply your descendants for my, for my servant Abraham's sake. So we see many, um, many examples in the Old Testament where God appeared. To Moses, is probably the most dynamic. Moses was on the other side of Mount Sinai. He's, he's grazing his, his father-in-law's sheep, and he, he, he sees a burning bush. A bush is burning. So he turns around, he has a look, and as he goes towards the bush, he goes to see why this bush is not being consumed while it's burning, and he hears the voice of God. He said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. That's coming from a burning bush. So that's an encounter that Moses had. And and God had a mighty encounter with Moses time and time and time again. A lot of encounters with Israel at the time. Gideon, another great man of the Bible in Judges 6.12. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. David, who wrote the Psalms, also said to him, he says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He encountered God always because he always saw the Lord before his face. And God appeared to Solomon and to Job and to Elijah and Elisha. And there are many other people in the Old Testament who encountered God. But God has a personal invitation and an encounter with you and me. In fact, that initiated encounter by God is for the whole world. It's not just for individuals. That through, this, that through Jesus we may encounter God the Father through relationship with the Son Jesus. Because the Jesus is the very character, he's the very likeness of, of God the Father. Um, Jesus said that. You've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. The two are the same. John 3.16. We all know this one. We're all taught this one when we go to Sunday school. I think the world knows it as well, even though they don't attend church. And it says, For God so greatly and dearly prized the world. And what is the world? You are the world. It's not talking about the trees, it's not talking about the animals, it's talking about you, that he dearly loved, loved you. That he sent his only son, his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So through the life of ministry of Jesus, many people encountered the love, healing and grace through his ministry. Many testimonies are recorded in the Bible, but there are many more that are not. Now if we were to compile... And of all the things that Jesus did while he travelled through, through Israel and through the villages and through the towns of Israel, that you know we couldn't compile it all in one little book. We'd have book one, volume one of a series of many, many volumes if we were to document what Jesus did. So they were too numerous, too numerous to to, um, to document. There are many examples, there are many documented examples actually through. Through the New Testament, um, I, I listed a whole heap of them. But Jesus changed water into wine. There was an encounter with Jesus at a wedding feast. That was his first miracle he did when he came out of the wilderness, filled with the Holy Spirit. He went to a wedding feast in Canaan. He ran out of wine. So Jesus said, bring me all your containers, fill him with water, fill him to the top. And he turned the water into wine. There are many ones. He cured a nobleman's son, um, a great hall of fishes. Jesus cast out an unclean spirit. Jesus cured Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. There's probably a funny side of that. That's probably why Peter denied Christ, because he healed his mother-in-law. 
don't tell mum that. And it just goes on that Jesus stilled the storm. Uh, Jesus could cured two uh, demonics. Jesus cured paralytics. And it goes on and on and on. Um, it's Jesus opened the eyes of two blind men. Jesus restored the ears of the high priest's servant uh, cut off by Peter. And Jesus rose from the dead. You know, what more encounters do we need to know that, that Jesus um, actually invites us? He encourages us to develop a relationship with God. Our first encounter um, with God was long before we were actually born because in, in Psalm 139, 13 to 17, I'll, I'll read it to you, where God actually encounters us. And it says in, in Psalm... Yeah, Psalm 139, 13. It says, For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. So God knew you then. He formed you in your mother's womb. That's when he had his first encounter with you, but we didn't know he had an encounter with you. I will confess and praise you, for you are fearfully and wonderfully, and for the awful wonder of my birth, wonderful are your works, and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being formed in the secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with the various colours in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. For your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. So God had your life predestined, planned out, written down. He knew you before you were born. He was there knitting you together in your mother's womb, and that's the encounter we've had with God. Before we were even conceived, God knew he had a purpose and a plan for us in his life. One of, the, one of the best, I guess one of the most notable encounters that we have in the New Testament is, is Paul. Paul was against the church. He was on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. He was ready to kill as many Christians as he could get his hands on. He had, he had a free reign. Um, he had a free reign from the, from the hierarchy of the day. He was going to do what he had to do, but he's on the road to Damascus. And Jesus appeared to him on the road. And he was struck down on the ground. And Jesus asked him, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute me? And then after Paul, Paul's response is, Lord, what would you have me do? What, what, what will you have me do? And that changed and transformed his life to one of the biggest persecutors of the church, the killers in the church, to one of the greatest apostles that we have. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a complete encounter and change of his whole personality with God. And that's the power of encounter with God. And so because of what Jesus uh, did, we can encounter God on a daily basis and discover what it means to have a relationship with him. We can encounter as much of God as we choose. It's a choice. We don't have to. We get to. That's the mindset. It's, it's, I need, I want to come in. I want to spend time with you, Lord. It means getting up early in the morning, but I'm willing to take that risk. It's, it's something I'm willing to do. I'm willing to come up and get into your presence. And there are various ways that we can encounter God's presence. God's presence here this morning through worship. I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed it. It moved powerfully. And that's a way to encounter, um, encounter the presence of God is through worship. So when you're home, flick on a CD, flick on a, a tape or whatever your record. Wow, I'm going back a bit there. And just allow God to worship. Worship him. Reading the Bible. 
Finding out what God says about you. Finding out what God says about your situation. It's all in here. You can find it. It's an instruction book. It's a manifest on on how we can fix ourselves by reading God's word. Prayer and fasting, I found that a mighty way of actually experiencing God and encountering his plan and his purpose for my life is prayer and fasting. And connecting, sharing with others the good news. That's another way to encounter God. I don't know if you've ever, ever actually shared with somebody, but you feel um, a presence, you feel a power, you feel a, an authority, you feel a peace come over you. And, and sometimes when I'm sharing with the guys at work, it's, it's my words, my voice that's talking, but it's not my words because I don't talk like that. Um, and so connecting with God, God will use you in a way powerfully and mightily that you, you would not recognise yourself and you don't because it's his work through the Holy Spirit through you. And there's also a quietly sitting in his presence and receiving from him. So if you get an opportunity where you can sit, wherever that is, if it's in a cafe, just sipping on a cup of coffee, reading a book, and just sitting quietly in his presence and experiencing the love of God in your life. That's awesome. So how awesome is that? That's awesome. Well, I've done with my spiel. I'm going to hand over to Gina now. And Gina is going to share with you. Well, in Haley's words, how you doing? <laughs> so Paul's talked about the encounter with God and next. So that's, that was in the four cups, talking about, you know, the coming out of Egypt and being released from that. So we've got that sorted. So what next? Well, when I was 13, um, I became a Christian. So you can do the maths. That was 44 years ago. I wasted probably a good 25, 30 years of that not really knowing God in a lot of ways. It was all about say the sinner's prayer, accept Jesus, get water baptised, that was a definite, read your Bible and go to church. You don't smoke, you don't swear, you don't drink alcohol, you don't have sex outside of marriage. That was basically what I was told a Christian was and that's how I lived it. But there's just so much more to that and um, part of embracing God is is moving on from that, of course. So um, embracing God and people in committed relationship and service together, I just want to break it into three bits. The first part of the sentence is embracing God. Just want to talk about some of the attributes, and these aren't all, as you well know, but these are some that if I'd only learnt these when I was 13, my life could have been so much different. Already, Paul's talked about how God created us. And in Jeremiah 1.5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. And in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pastor Tim spoke, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, about the fact, and, and it was like a light bulb moment for me, that God actually created and designed me for a specific time and a specific purpose. It wasn't that, you know, I was born and he gave me talents and gifts and things. He had actually already pre-designed me for that time. It was for such a time as this. He knew best, I guess, but sometimes I wonder. And I, one of the things I did grow up, I was the only girl and six brothers Now, my poor mum, with seven children under the age of... My oldest brother's five years older, the youngest one's five... So, ten years, seven children. 
My mum ended up having a mental breakdown and went into those days what they called a sanitarium for three months. And she used to tell me that. I, should, I, I didn't want more children. I should never have, I didn't want this many. And after Barry, I tried to get a hysterectomy and they, back in those days they wouldn't allow it. So I came along, three weeks old, mum has a breakdown and goes into a sanitarium for three months. Do I feel like I was wanted? I was an accident. But you know what? I wasn't because God knew. God already knew that I was to be. And it wasn't actually their plan and their design. So some of the attributes of God. um, We need to understand how much God loves us. You know, Paul's already shared John 3.16, for God so loved the world. 1 John 3.16, by this we know his love because he laid down his life for us. You know, for a father or a mother to sacrifice a child is just way too incomprehensible for us to think about. It's just like, are you serious? Like, no, 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 no. But he knew from the beginning, he knew that sin would enter the world. So he had to have a plan already in place to reconcile us to him. So he was already prepared before the beginning of the world to sacrifice his son. It wasn't an afterthought. Oh, look what they've done. I better do this. He knew that he was going to do that. A friend of mine, he's actually a physio who I've been seeing for a few years, was taking his son surfing over on the Air Peninsula. His son's about 14, I think. And I just looked at him and I'm thinking, but there's a lot of great white sharks over there. Aren't you scared that great white shark might get your son out surfing? And he said, if a shark was heading for my son, I'd put myself between him and the shark. Now, isn't that a reasonable thing to think? That we would give our life to save our child? In theory, we, that's what we would do. That's what we expect. But no, God didn't do that. He said, I'm actually going to sacrifice my child for you so that we can have eternal life and forgiveness, unending forgiveness. So it's pretty awesome. We need to understand the depth of God's forgiveness. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's a simple message which almost seems too simple to be true, but it is. If we confess, he not only forgives, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No human effort or suffering is required on our part because he's already done that for us. His forgiveness is ongoing. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, sin can no longer come between us and God. For when we confess, God forgives. And how many times does God forgive? Well, in the Bible it says 70 times 7. But I said, how long is a piece of string? So in today's terms. So that's just a really brief part about what we're talking about, embracing God. The next part in that um, statement is a committed relationship. This is doing life together. Um, I had a wonderful time on Friday with a really couple of lovely, lovely ladies, and we just did life together. We just talked about things that bothered us, things we were thinking about, things we struggled about. That's what doing life together is. And... um, 
for that part, that's very much the pastoral, caring, nurturing part of the church. Now, people come out of churches, including us, and we say, oh, you know, that church we went to, they really hurt me. You know what? It's not the church. It's people. It's people that hurt us. So for me, this is a, a message to me, we don't blanket the church hurt us. It is people that hurt us. So we've got to keep that mindset as well. Um, we need help from like-minded people to remind, encourage and build each other up, to hold each other accountable, to confess to one another. Why? Because we get to deal with the baggage we brought out of Egypt with us. If we don't get rid of the past, we have no future. So we really need to deal with it. James 5.16 tells us to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We want to be healed from past wounds, unforgiveness, addictions, life struggles. We want to develop new thoughts, new attitudes and behaviours. After all, God wants us to experience freedom from the past to find peace and purpose in our future. So being in relationship together... We get to learn from each other. We get to pray for each other and support each other. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, and so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I love that. That's awesome. And Deb Brooksbank didn't even realise she actually contributed to my message. She, um, on Facebook, posted a quote from Joel Osteen. You need to associate with people that inspire you, people that challenge you to rise higher, People that make you better. Don't waste your valuable time with people that are not adding to your growth. Your destiny is way too important. That, thanks, Deb, for that because that really grabbed me at the time. Now, the third part of that thing was doing service together. So what's doing service together? That's being committed to a church. Here we're at Infuse, so of course we want you to be committed to Infuse Church. Why wouldn't you? I mean, we're awesome. We've already heard that. So being committed, being regular on-time attendance, tithing, belonging to a connect group, getting involved in a ministry team, they're all important things. So breaking it down to attending. When people are missing from the house of God on Sunday, for me, it's not like having all my family together in the one place. And because of a family situation, we haven't had that for seven years. And it hurts. So when people go away or they're missing in action when we don't know what's happening, I hate that. Pastor Gary and Jane hate that. We want, you know, it's not about being um, legalistic, saying you must attend church every Sunday. You get to attend church on Sunday. And when you're here, you're part of the family, which makes us complete. When we come together each week, it brings encouragement to the leaders of the house. It brings encouragement to the worship team when people are here on time and ready to enter into praise and worship. We get to learn about God and his truths. We get to sow financially into God's work and see how he blesses people as they give. It builds faith when we pray together and for each other. And God does amazing things at the same time as we have the privilege of sharing in relationship with one another. Connect groups. I know we seem to bang on about connect groups, but it really is important. This is where relationships can grow to an entire new level. As we meet in small groups, our trust grows in those we are with. We can be open with our thoughts, 
struggles and feelings and not come under judgment. Instead, we will find love, support, encouragement and prayer. So I encourage all of you that aren't in a group to find one where you feel comfortable and where you know you can grow. Ministry, serving in ministry together. So many avenues here. I counted at the VIP huddle. There were 20 people here this morning ready to serve. Isn't that amazing? When you look at the number of people in here, 20. That's a pretty big percentage, I think. You could be out the front, blow backing the leaves so it looks nice when people arrive. It might be bringing a communion message, sowing into the lives of our amazing children's program out in the hall, in the community garden, helping out in admin, hospitality, frontline, women's ministry. There's just playgroup. There's so many avenues that we can actually get involved in and serve together. But the point, yeah, the point is that Everyone has that opportunity. In Matthew 20, 28, Jesus actually says he did not come to be served but to serve. And there are many other verses where Jesus tells us to serve, to love, to show hospitality. So let's follow his example and be willing to serve wherever God wants us to be placed. So getting back to our whole statement, embracing God and people in committed relationship and service together, I've only touched on a little bit of that and I hope it helps you understand where as a leadership we've come up with this and that you will embrace it with zeal and passion. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, my talk, part of the talk is about equipping. If I put my glasses on, I might be able to read it. Okay, equipping is fitting out, uh, supplying, to furnish, to provide, to arm, to array, to address. In our last Connect group, Shao gave us a, led the uh, Connect group and he went through the, one of the chapters of the Four Cup study as uh, Paul referred to and this was regarding the Cup of uh, Redemption. Now, redemption means that God enables us to do what we're supposed to be doing. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are in God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Remember that God created us for a specific purpose and for a specific plan. God gives us gifts to equip us and give us purposeful and meaningful lives. Discipleship is not about learning more stuff and it's about discovering the reason why we've been created and then living it out. This morning I want to briefly talk about how God cares enough to equip us for life and to give us a fulfilling and purposeful life. Now before I go any further, I must have a, a bit of an admission that um, uh, I like going out with Gina to shopping and all that, but there's one place I just do not go. It's called Ikea. <laughs> I, I just can't understand why... You'd have a maze in a shopping centre rather than in a park. But <clears throat> so, Ikea, if you want to go to Ikea, go and see Gina because I don't go. Sometimes we treat life like an Ikea product. We bring it home, we try to put it together, and sometimes we end up with bits left over. But when we get stuck, we go back to the instructions. And more often than not, we find a few pieces left over. But 
life is like that. We have an instruction manual from God. God gave us the Bible. And rather than say, well, I'll do life my way, and then I'll find it, oh, hang on, this is not right, and then look at the Bible to find out how we should be doing it. So it's very important that we read God's Word as part of equipping us for life. Another example in the Bible, or the owner's manual, is the armour of God. But armour of God these days seems a little bit old-fashioned because I want to change it to personal protection equipment, which in my, uh, in my job I have to wear PPE, as we call it. Uh, as I, when I go out of the office, so we have to wear PPE for various places that we visit. And also I do a lot of work in mine sites where PPE is standard. So in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 and 18, Paul talks about putting on the armour of God to protect us in our daily walk with him. These days, armour can be found in museums, movies, but so we're going to change it. So the buckle, or these days it's the belt, very important to keep your trousers up anyway at least. But the, the belt is the trust buckled around our waist. The breastplate, well, we don't use breastplates these days. We have the high-vis vest of righteousness that keeps us in place so we can be seen and we don't get run over. <laughs> Trust me, that is a very important part, especially when you work in the railways. <clears throat> shoes, well, we don't have shoes. Well, we do have shoes, but not like the way they used to. We have safety boots. In readiness, that comes from the gospel of peace. Shield. I don't have a shield these days. We have safety glasses. Okay, we take a, that protects us from the flaming arrows of the evil one. Helmet. Well, these days we have safety helmets of salvation. Then I got stuck when the last one that Paul talks about is the sword. And then I remembered when I was in Kalgoorlie recently, you don't have a sword, you have safety procedures that you have to follow to the letter. <laughs> so the, the, of the spirit, which is the word of God, this is the word that you have to follow to make sure that you are safe and that you can be protected. So life is tough. However, our compassionate God always amazes me and wants us, wants us for him to be, he wants us to be in a relationship. He wants to be our father, our friend, and our comforter. So he equips us for, for his work. That's the amazing thing about God. He had an idea. He had a concept, what he wanted us to do, as Paul said and Gina alluded to, before we were even born. And that's quite incredible because we're all different here and yet he knew what he wanted us to do. He had a plan for us before we even were thought about. And that's a little bit mind-blowing sometimes. Equipping for work. Now, I went to school and uh, I finished in, I think they call it year 10 these days, third year high, because I didn't like school. Uh, so it wasn't very good. Uh, but we need to have training to do whatever we're doing. So I took the easy way out, left school at 16, and then I decided, well, I'll do as much as I can in my cadetship, which I entered into. And at 20, I knew it all. <laughs> and a very, very wise man said, Steve, the future is tertiary studies. So tertiary studies I did for 10 years of night school. So, by the way, guys, do the do university, college, it's a lot easier than doing 10 years of night school. We do tertiary studies to get a profession or a trade. We do training courses to become volunteers or hobbies. <coughs> we then apply what we learned and we learn new skills. We then, that produces experience. Very rarely we have, I meet people that are self-taught. I'm amazed by that because uh, 
I'm not very handy around the house, just ask Gina. And people that can learn skills and hobbies, it's, it's quite amazing. But that's not always possible. I've never yet met a self-taught dental surgeon, <laughs> even though Mr Bean did try one time. <laughs> However, after receiving the training, we need further mentoring and guidance to build us up, and that gains experience. But a learning is an ongoing process. It's not a one-off thing. Our God is wonderful because he gave each of us gifts and a purpose for life. And we have to choose to accept those amazing opportunities from God. In Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts according to the grace he has given us. God created us for a specific purpose and he added something in mind for each of one of us. We're all brought up in different generations. You might have noticed that uh, I'm a little bit older than some of you. My hairstyle is a little bit different these days. <clears throat> but we're all brought up in different generations, different families, different backgrounds, different countries, and, but we, God had in, a plan for us. God is amazing in his attention to detail. His message and love remains the same. However, we work in different ways and uses different vessels to get his message across. First brings us into his family through redemption, and then he wants to see the best for us. But we have to have a choice. We have to choose to accept his gifts. The devil wants us to focus on ourselves. He wants us to focus on our issues, our own comfort and our convenience. But God is generous and very faithful and he reaches out. He's wanting to pull us up out of that area. Remember, the devil is happy if you're thinking very down on yourself and he's quite happy for us not to have our dreams satisfied. God loves to, sorry, the Satan loves to lumber us with our everyday problems and our self-focus because it creates diversions in our lives. We need, therefore, to focus on God, the one who loves us and has great plans for our lives. Paul writes in Corinthians, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So the gifts. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit comes into us and gives us gifts which work in harmony with our personality, experiences and abilities. You may have noticed we all have different personalities. Some are good, some are not so good, but we have different quirky things. Our spiritual gift will fit our purpose, will fit our personality that God has given us already. Paul explains in Corinthians again, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we service the same Lord. God works in different ways, but in the same God who does the work in us all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us to help us through. One is not <coughs> the gifts. One is not better gift than another. We all have different personal traits, temperaments. And the, and the gifts are given to us in measure so that we can be used to, for his service. We shouldn't envy, or envy the gifts or have inferiority complexes because the gifts are not what we want. Therefore, we need to discover what our gifts are. If you're not sure what your gift is, first of all, pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to give you guidance. And then I would suggest that you discuss it with a Christian friend, someone that you can trust and have confidence in. Don't ask for people's opinions because that, that doesn't go anywhere. But find someone that you can trust and have confidence in and say, 
would you believe my gift is? In Corinthians, again, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Once we've discovered what our gift is, we need then to develop it. Ephesians says, he has given us some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, for equipping of the saints for the work and the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Then we need, once we've developed our gift, we need then to deploy it. God has given us each a gift for his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And as what Gina said, we need to serve one another. It's not just something for us only. So in conclusion, we have a great and amazing God who loves us intently and wants the very best in our lives. But we have to choose to accept his gifts, which enables us to live life as he intended us to do fulfilling and purposeful life. Wow, that was good. Um, Obviously, last, I'll be sharing with you this morning about encouraging. So this is the fourth part of the outworking of our purpose statement. We are called to be an encouraging church. The church, that's you. The body of Christ, we are the church. We are called to encourage everyone to grow in faith, sharing the good news of the gospel wherever we are. No one comes to faith in God and life is instantly perfect. We need each other to help us on our life journey. You know, I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I thought, that's it. It's going to be perfect. Everything will be fine, but it's not. You come to know God, but you carry life with you. You carry a past with you. You carry hurts with you, things that God never intended you to have. But God didn't create us to stand on our own. He created us to turn to him first and foremost, but he also created us to be in fellowship, to be in family. So that's what we are. We are a family and we need each other to walk through this life together. There are many passages in the Bible that urge us to encourage one another. Here are a few, and they are all written by the Apostle Paul. He seems to be a common theme this morning. In Titus 2 verse 6, Paul writes a letter to Titus saying, In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. Colossians 4 8, Tychius will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11 For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. 2 Corinthians thirteen eleven, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other. And the last one, in Romans 1, 10 to 12, Paul writes to one of the churches in Rome saying, One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And the common theme I see in all of those scriptures is that Paul's travelling around. He's planting churches, 
But he doesn't just say, okay, done that. You just, I'll leave you to yourselves now. You just, you know, grow strong, handle it by yourselves. He doesn't. He's always got them on his heart. He's always got them on his mind. He's always praying for them. He's wanting to give them encouragement. But he also understands that they have something to give him. They have encouragement to give him. You know, none of us is an island. None of us can stand alone. We all need encouragement. And we all have it in us to encourage other people. Our senior pastors, Gary and Jane Leach, they've been called by God to lead this church. But they are not called to be the sole encouragers of this church, of us. It is not physically possible for them to come alongside every member of this church. We, the church, are all called to encourage each other. Now, Hayley was talking about um, the church prayer meetings that are coming up and that we've been advertising this as our theme is like windows, not mirrors. So meaning that we are praying, looking outward to the community, not looking at a mirror at ourselves and only what we can get out of this. Now, encouragement... To be an encouraging church, we need to have that kind of focus as well, that we're looking out to what we can do for others, for how we can encourage others. So no matter where you are in life, you know, look at what you can give, what you can do to encourage, and needless to say, you'll get encouraged in return. We all have a wealth of life experience, a history, stuff we've gone through, whether you're 80, whether you're 18... We've all dealt with stuff. You know, some of the stuff in my life, as Gina has shared, I was abused by my father at the age of five. My parents divorced. I was divorced at the age of 29. I spent 10 years as a single mum with three young kids. I suffered depression and I've had financial difficulty and we're still struggling with that. But I know that I couldn't have got through that without the support of this church family. God is always my first and foremost that I turn to, but as I said before, he puts us in relationship in family, so we need each other. And I couldn't have done it the way I have without the support of you guys. Now, I firmly believe that God never wastes a hurt. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God does not cause the bad stuff that happens in your life, but he will bring good from it. You know, throughout my lifetime, I'm going to come across people that have had struggles or are still struggling in the same areas that I have, people that have gone through stuff I've gone through. And, you know, who better to come alongside them and say, you know what, I'm here for you, I get it, I understand. And that's what all of us can do. We've all got stuff that we can share, all got stuff that we can encourage people with. You know, right now, as Paul shared earlier, we're struggling financially But, you know, we've chosen to come alongside another couple that are going through a very similar struggle and we get together regularly and we encourage each other and I know that they come away and we come away feeling stronger, just regaining more faith and trust that God will come through. Yeah, that's what we're here for. So can I encourage you to look around you, whether you're at church, connect group, home, work, school, Have a look. Keep your eyes open. 
people need to hear an encouraging word from you and they may just surprise you and come back with an encouraging word for you. So be open to the gentle nudging of the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you're anything like me, you like comfort. I like to speak to the people I'm comfortable with. I like to sit in my same spot. But I I encourage you, sit somewhere new, go and talk to someone new, speak to someone you haven't spoken to before because there is some way that you can help them, some way that you can encourage them. So in closing, I just want you to ponder these final words. Your life's journey, if kept to yourself, is only of benefit to you. But if you share that life journey prayerfully, not with everyone, but prayerfully, share it with others, you can uplift them, you can bring them hope and reassurance that they are not alone and that God will bring healing and will come through for them because he is faithful, he is trustworthy and he does love you. So thank you. Can I get the worship team back up here, please? I don't know if...